0: I was riding down a road and I saw a church sign. I usually take notice of church signs, what they say. This one was a pretty good one. It said, "Jesus, it's better to know him before you meet him." And I would say that is pretty good advice that we should know Jesus since we are going to meet him one day. We should know him, we should have a relationship with him before we meet him. Now, there is an assumption that, well, surely all religious people have a, have a relationship with God. I mean, that's what it's all about, is it not? Well, don't kid yourself. Now, I keep a holy day called the Feast of Trumpets. Now, if you've never heard that, there's only one reason you've never heard of the Feast of Trumpets, and that is you've been in church too long. But it's one of God's holy days, the Feast of Jehovah, and it's it really reveals that the most important thing to have is a relationship before we meet him because the Feast of Trumpets is about the day we meet Jesus Christ. In other words, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, this is what the Feast of Trumpets is all about. It says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, if we were to ask, who are the dead in Christ? Well, it's it's those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> there's another verse in Second Corinthians five and verse ten. <clears throat> I'm going to read this from a different translation because there's there's an expression here that I want to I want you to hear. It says, "For we must all appear before Christ to be judged by Him. We will each receive what we deserve according to everything we have done, good or bad, in our body life." And I, I like that little expression. You know, in our body life. Now, what it reveals is this. In this physical body, with all of its appetites and limitations and all the, you know, the good things about you, the bad things about you, that in this body, in this physical body, it is possible in the flesh to have a relationship with God. And of course, no two relationships are the same because we're all different. And what we give, what I believe we give account of when we meet God on this day when the trump sounds and the dead in Christ are raised first, what we give an account of is our relationship that we had with God. Now, let me try to clarify it. Let me use an an analogy here. Imagine standing before God and giving an account for the relationship that you had with your wife. And you might say something like, wife, I was faithful to you. If I had lustful eyes for another, I learned to conquer that lust. And overcome that and put that behind me. I provided for my family. I was a decent father. Children spell t- love, T I M E. I treated my wife with respect. I honored her. I never did anything deliberate that deliberately hurt her. And if I did, I, I asked for forgiveness. I told her I was sorry. Um, I did the little things she asked me to do, and I treated her family with respect. And then imagine God turning to the wife and saying, Now it's your turn. And then let's just carry this all the way out to the purpose of this message and, the, and imagine explaining our relationship to God because that is what we give an account of when we meet God. is that really in the bible presents the teaching ministry of david freeman now i mentioned that i keep the holy days and chances are you've never if you're a religious person chances are you've never heard of these and the reason you've never heard of them is because your church refuses to talk about them because they're for somebody else of course you know they're jewish they're mosaic they're for israel therefore you know and and we we bright christians have our own holidays that we keep like christmas easter halloween and april fool's day okay but the holy days are all about relationship let me educate you about this they're about relationship the passover is about justification most people are familiar most christians are familiar with the passover and they understand it's about justification uh then you have the feast of unleavened bread which is about separating separation from sin from this world and, you know, in a marriage, there is separation. Again, I'm going back to the analogy of a, of a relationship, and I'm talking about meeting God and your relationship with God. But in a marriage, there is separation. You separate yourself from all others, and you promise to be faithful to the one. Then there's Pentecost, which is about transformation. And the way that transformation takes place is by receiving the Holy Spirit of God. But you know, in a marriage there is transformation because I am convinced that God will connect you up to a person, husband or wife, that will reveal your blind side. Now this is totally overlooked in relationships, in marriage and people, you know, they they don't get it. But you have a blind side. And in order for you to be a mature person, you need someone to help you reveal that blind side. It's called a husband, it's called a wife. And it's also the reason for a lot of divorce, because we can't take being corrected. But that's the true purpose of marriage, that God will put you with someone who can see your blind side. I didn't say he's going to like it. I just said God's going to put you with a person who will reveal your blind side. Now, uh, the next holy day is trumpets, what what I mentioned earlier. And it's about glorification. Saints are resurrected and transformed and, you know, a marriage can be glorious. A so 40-year, you know, people you sometimes use, and it's precious. It's a precious thing to see. A marriage, been together for 50 years, that also is glorious. But the holidays are about relationship, and I'm just sort of making the comparison to a marriage here. Now, what keeps most religious people from a relationship with God? Again, Jesus. It's better to know him before you meet him. Well, let me go through some points here. Number one, the danger of what I call organized religion. And it seems that all organized religion has one thing in common. All the people in there believe they have arrived. In other words, when you got religious, you arrived, very quickly arrived at a fork in the road. And the road to the right, there's a sign that said the journey to knowing God. And that's one road you can take. That road lasts forever. You walk it until you, the day that you die. The road to the left, now this, the road to the left is the one that most Christians take. It says, it is a sign, it says, I have arrived. And that road, if you go down it about 500 yards, it goes to a cul-de-sac and you just walk around in circles the rest of your life on the, on the merry-go-round of churchianity. I have arrived. Consider the average professing Christian Number one, he gets religion, he joins a church, a denomination, he, gets, he believes he's part of the church of God, and you know, all religious people, believe, they have one thing in common, they all believe they're right, and he believes he's right, and he comes to the conclusion that he has arrived. Secondly, he goes to church once a week, he doesn't bring his Bible, and he doesn't study his Bible during the week. Third, at church, he's in the echo chamber. He is assured his relationship with God is secure, he's heaven bound, there's nothing he has to do, nothing he has to worry about. And from the pulpit, what do I mean by echo chamber? From the pulpit, his thoughts, convictions, hearts, his heart is just being repeated back to him. That's what I mean by the echo chamber. People in church are just in the echo chamber, they're only hearing what they want to hear. Don't you understand this? You're only hearing, oh boy, my preacher, boy, he's really a great preacher. You should have heard, this was a great message. You ever hear hear people talk about how great, what a wonderful message they just heard on Sunday morning? Well, you're in the echo chamber. You're only hearing what you want to hear. Now, you can see how this system sets people up for a pseudo-relationship with God. It has all the trappings. Oh yeah, it has all the trappings of Christianity. I mean, it has the you know the singing and the you know the singing, the praising God, the lifting up holy hands and all that. And you know, it has all the trappings. But it's just a pseudo relationship with God. It's not real, is what I'm saying. People are on the merry-go-round of churchianity. Now, the mastermind of this pseudo relationship, you know who the mastermind is? Well, it's none other than that evil spirit, that satanic spirit that is determined to get people to believe that they have a relationship with God when it's not even real. Well, Jesus said this in Matthew 7 and verse 22. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. You know, Jesus does not deny the works. The works are good. But then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, you that work iniquity. And I used to read that verse and think, well, the word iniquity, that was the worst part. That word means lawlessness. They had a no-law theology, very common in Christianity today, a no-law theology, grace plus nothing. The law has been abolished. It's been nailed to the cross. There's nothing you must do. Uh, you Just just believe. Just accept. Just invite Jesus into your heart. Just raise your hand, and, you, and that's all you got to do. They had a no-law theology, and I used to think that was the worst part about this scripture. But actually, in reality, the worst part about this scripture is the words, I never knew you. Imagine coming home to your wife after 40 years of marriage and your wife says, I don't know you. Do you think it's possible? Oh, yeah, it's possible. It's happened. A husband has a secret sin, maybe pornography, maybe he's uh, unfaithful, and the wife says, I never knew you. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. And the mastermind of this pseudo-relationship is hard at work every day. His agenda, his goal is how can I get people to firmly believe they have a relationship with God when they do not. So how do we build a relationship with God? It's better to know him before you meet him. Number one, there is no I have arrived There is only one right road to take, and that is the journey to knowing God, and you walk that road every single day of your life until you die. There is no, I have arrived. You know, relationships take time. They really do. Think about a marital relationship, you know, and you have this, this, what I call deathbed repentance, you know, well, I'm going to get my heart, right before I kick the bucket, I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to get myself saved. Imagine a person on his deathbed. The doctors have given him three months to live. And he says, go out and find me a wife. And so his friends go out and find him a wife and he gets married and then two months later he dies. What kind of a relationship are you gonna have in two months with that wife? Well, it's not gonna be, it's non-existing. It's the same way with God, you know. It's all about relationship. Number two, how to have a relationship with God. Get out of your echo chamber. There is the illusion that you're living under, and that is all truth lives here. Boy, are you deceived. Boy, are you gullible. You know, I could say you're downright ignorant. All truth lives here. You see, you've got to learn to find truth and value in unexpected places. you got to come, become a gold miner digging, searching, looking for value, looking for truth in unexpected places. And sometimes the unexpected places, really, you'd be amazed at where it comes from. You know, there's a little story in Numbers 22 and verse 28, and the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto to Balaam, well, what have I done unto thee that you have smitten me these three times? You know, and Balaam would have been totally justified by saying, I can't learn anything from you. You're an ass. But he didn't. You see, he didn't. And you've got to ask the question why is this verse in here you see a lot of times people that believe differently than we do we just cut them out of our lives and we won't have anything we're looking for that one thing that we can disagree with so we can cut that person out of our lives and we surround ourselves with people that think just like we do we're in the echo chamber and you can't grow spiritually in the echo chamber you're spiritually dead in the echo chamber number three a relationship with God. It's better to know him before you meet him. It's what I call putting the church in its place. Now, I'm very grateful for the church. If it wasn't for the church, I wouldn't be If it wasn't for the calling of God, I wouldn't be here. And I am grateful for the church. The Bible tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That doesn't mean you can't take a break. You can't take a sabbatical. You can't take, you know, sabbath off it doesn't mean that i mean you know it just says forsake not don't forsake it okay but you see church going is the most overrated event in the world it really is and so many people are looking for the perfect church and the reason you haven't found the perfect church is because you're in it and you're not perfect first john 2 and verse 27 says but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you and you need not that any man teach you but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. That anointing is talking about the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. If you have that, if you have repented of your sin, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, if you've gone down in the waters of baptism, if you've had hands laid on on you for the receiving of the Spirit of God, then yeah you might have the spirit of god it's all up to god ultimately where he gives you his spirit but there's a process for receiving the spirit of god and that is the leadership the main leadership in your life is the spirit of god now i'm not saying you can't learn from teachers you know the fact that maybe you're listening to this podcast tells you that you're willing to learn and that's good We should all have that gold miner's mentality when it comes to learning and truth, finding truth and value in unexpected places. That's what life is all about. But the main thing you're trusting is the leadership of the Spirit of God. You know, there's a, in in Proverbs, it says, go to the ant you sluggard, which needs no guide or overseer. You, you're, you're. Your guide, your overseer, is the Holy Spirit of God. It is the leadership of the Spirit of God. In other words, in your personal relationship, you depend on the leadership of the Holy Spirit more than your minister, more than your church. And the two are not the same. Now, they can be if they're both following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, you gotta, I mean, consider the Red Sea. They had a cloud by night that represented God, and then they have Moses, the leader of Israel, Now, if the cloud starts going to the right and Moses starts going to the left, who are you going to follow? Well, you should follow the cloud because that represents God. Leadership, church leadership, can become corrupted. In fact, most of them are in their theology. And you have to follow the cloud. You have to follow God. You have to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth thing about a relationship with God is that not everything about a relationship is laid out in black and white. There are decisions that you're going to have to make, and the clear answer you will not find in the Bible. I mean, so often we think everything is in the Bible, you know, how, how do I overcome this smoking addiction? Well, there's a lot of help in there from the Bible, but it's not going to give you specifics on how to do that. There are decisions that you have to make, and you have to, you know, the, the clear-cut answer you're not going to find in the Bible. You have to come to a point where it's between you and God, and you make this decision and you trust and you pray that you have made the right decision and you look for this 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 verse right here 1 John 3 and verse 19 and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall and and shall assure our hearts before him so there's there's okay you're finding truth you made a decision you don't know whether it's right or wrong but there's this verse implies there's an assurance that can come upon the heart it comes from God but this is how it works 1 John 3 and verse 20, for if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Okay, that's one side of the coin. Two, beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence toward God. That's the other side of the coin. So you have to look to this. God, are you condemning my heart or do I have confidence in this decision that I have just made It continues on, it says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Okay, number five, follow the absolutes of Jesus. You know, there are if statements, the biggest two-letter word in the English language, if you do this, I will do this. Well, here it is, John 15 and verse seven, in relationship with God, follow the absolutes of God here it is if you abide in me and my words abide in you you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you now abiding in god's word learning from god's word learning from the bible is what we're talking about here and i think though a lot of christians will say well look i go to church i i i, I study my bible and i don't i ask for things and i don't get it well there's a reason you're not getting it the things you ask for skip on down to verse 10 John 15 and verse 10. Jesus said, If there's another if statement, again, the biggest two letter word in the English language, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So these statements, okay, you ask for anything you want, I'm going to give it to you. Well, there is a condition, you know. Jesus said, Okay, yeah, you ask, I'll give it to you. But If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. You can't have a no-law theology and expect to get what you want from God. You just can't. It doesn't work that way. These if-then statements are conditional. So follow the absolutes of Jesus. Okay, relationship with God. better to know him before you meet him. Let's review this. What is a relationship with God? Number one, be aware of the danger of I have arrived. Two, get out of your echo chamber. Learn to find truth and value in unexpected places. Don't make the assumption that all truth lives in your church. Number three, put the church in its proper place. In your personal relationship, you depend on the leadership of the Holy Spirit more than your minister, more than your church. Four, in the things that you allow, ask God to search your heart. Is he condemning you or do you have confidence in that decision that you just made? Number five, follow the absolutes of Jesus. Follow those if statements. If you love me, keep my commandments. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program. Worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service. And be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is Is IsThatReallyInTheBible.net.